0: Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 277. And in today's uh, podcast, I am going to revisit a topic that I have done two times before, but that's buried pretty far back in the 277. And if somebody hasn't been through all of this, they might never have seen it or even know about it. But it's going to be on the topic of... uh, Choosing a puppy and not, not choosing a breeding. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. That's, that's a just territory I won't go into. Not, but, but once you have found a breeding that's very, very good, if you have the chance, can you go evaluate the puppies and look at them and see if you can get the one that maybe is closest to what it is you're looking for? That's what I'm talking about. So your best bet always for getting a puppy that is the kind that you would like with the characteristics that you would like, is to get one out of an excellent breeding that has excellent pedigrees. Now, excellent breeding means one that's going to cross well and produce uniformly some very good puppies. That's an excellent breeding. Excellent breedings are not defined by somebody saying, we have this many FCs and this many AFCs, field champion, amateur field champion, this many four-time Grandmaster Pointing Retrievers, this many Hunter Retriever Champions, this many Master National Finishers, all that. Okay, that just means that these dogs have all come from lines that have been trained and competed a lot and people have put a lot of money and time into it. It doesn't mean necessarily that all those dogs are of that caliber, I mean, th- that are being produced. So if just because you have a lot of FCs and, and AFCs doesn't necessarily mean that those dogs produce tons of them. You know, sometimes you have one and you breed it, not so good, but then you take the pup out of that, and breed it with somebody else, you get some strength back into it. There's a lot of stuff to that. I would just say counting the number of titles it may be great and it may not be great. Because some lines cross well and some lines do not cross well. But what you want are the ones that that take the strengths from both sides and put them into the the offspring. So that's just something to be aware of. The best way to, to find out if a breeding is what you like is if it's been done before and the dogs in the prior breeding or breedings turned out well. That gives you a fairly good idea. It's still not a guarantee. It is still not a guarantee because there's a lot to this genetic thing and it's very random and there's a lot of dice rolling when things come together. And sometimes I've, I've seen breedings that over time in the beginning, the first two or three were just, all were good. They weren't all the same. I mean, they're very different, unique animals, just like human children, but they were very good. And when the dogs got a little bit older and they had a few more, the last litter or so, and those didn't seem, I don't know if it was aging eggs or sperm or what, but it they, they, they just weren't quite the same as the younger ones, but that's over a span of a number of years. So I don't know what the science is with that, but I've just noticed that a couple times. And when you get a repeat of a breeding, one of the things you do want to look at is if in the first breeding they did this breeding between these two dogs and this dog came out of that that was so good it was the youngest this and had the most number of points in that and was just so fantastic that you go I want that again Uh, find out was that the only dog in the litter that was that way or were the others also in there playing the game pretty well somebody that puts a ton of money and time into campaigning their dog obviously there's probably going to have more of the bells and whistles than ones that don't but it, it would be nice to know if that was just the only dog and all the good stuff came into that one and didn't go to the others if it's uniformly you know mo- all the dogs came out pretty darn good all of them were able to do most of the things everybody wanted and there's more uniformity okay that gives you a better feeling about buying the repeat just saying Just something to look at. I I I just I think females having litters where they themselves make sure the litter is tends to be uniform instead of a really big giant dog and a little tiny dog and some in the middle and then one really good dog and this one has no interest. There's there can be that kind of array in litters. It's just nice if you can get, you know, the truth from the breeders and what the past has been, if everything's just the greatest ever and everyone loves them and they did everything, you know, I'd be that's a little bit too much of a sales pitch. But when you can get somebody to tell you what they were or refer to a litter where all of the dogs were campaigned and all of the dogs did extremely well, okay, that's that's like probably a repeat you might want to look at. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. One of the things that often you're told, and it can be true or not, is, well, just look at the parents. If you look at the parents, that's what you're going to get. That could be true, or it could not be true. And I always use, poor Broncos, uh, advantage, uh example of uh, John Elway, arguably one of the best quarterbacks that's been in football. And his uh, wife was a D1s excellent D1 swimmer in college, and they had kids, and none of the kids turned out to be the athlete that either one of them was. Now, that's hard when you have stuff like that. That's pretty hard to match. Although sometimes you can. Sometimes you can have two more ordinary parents and have this exceptional, I mean, things just came together just right. And you get this, this individual that's better than both parents. That can happen too. Um, so, yes, look at the parents. Look at one. Look at them. See what their temperaments are. See what their size uh, is. Um, is there somebody that's a little mean and feisty? Nobody ever wants to tell you that, but I like to find that out. Um, you know, you want to know, am am I getting a dog that might want to whoop on my other dog? (laughs) Just some stuff to know, but look at the size thing that can tell you, unless you have one huge and one tiny, um, it can tell you, you know, if your dogs are both moderate, mom and dad, odds are you'll get a more moderately sized dog. If that's important, um, athleticism should be, in my mind, (laughs) the most important thing. I don't want a giant draft horse of a dog, and I don't want a teeny tiny little thing that, you know, you have to can't even jump up into the back of the vehicle or something. So anyway, just look at mom and dad, but understand how, as my father used to always say, the good Lord holds the trump card on this stuff. Just because you see something or are told something, you know you never know with genetics things can be things can be interesting so you just want to hedge your bets and get the best litter that you can um out of the best breeding that you can and then if you choose to uh you know go pick your puppy now i have a very dear friend he says take that chapter out of your book stop telling everybody you can pick a puppy because you can't <laughs> it's like okay sure because if you don't think you can then you can't and so reach in there and grab the one with the that's closest to ear the loudest one or the one that runs the fastest you know just grab whatever you want and get the dog again if you have a good litter you're probably gonna be okay that's the best thing to do but if you would like to pick look at these guys and you know, see if you can optimize your choice um, I have found that that is most of the time something that can be done there are times when when I've seen it how it looked and then what I thought was the best dog I I was wrong and mainly I'll say a lot of times and I don't know this for a fact I'm not an expert in the dog breeding uh, arena by any means but for example I saw one really really exceptional field trial litter I actually whelped the litter for the people and it was to a national champion and a, and a great female and there was one little dog and of course I'm t- everybody wants me to look at him right back then I used to do that I don't do that anymore folks I don't go look for people but I do tell them how to do it um, I was just looking at watching them from and from the beginning you know so I got to see the whole thing and and they were they were there was a one real big one in there he's kind of like the little fat guy right and he wasn't real interested in stuff, and he didn't get up and go and all the others went. and He didn't even retrieve. I don't know. <laughs> it was just too far out there. I don't know what it was. So oh, because he was consistently that way, I kind of wrote him off. And so we looked at all the others and at this one. So they got everyone. And we didn't even have a home for the last one. The owner didn't have the home. And finally, I think they gave him to somebody because he's just kind of lumpy. He was also the biggest dog, and he turned out to be the biggest dog. I'd say he was probably 75, 80 pounds, pretty thin. Uh, You know, as an athlete, he was a big boy, and he turned out to be the best dog in the litter. He got the field trial points. He was successful. He got all the stuff, everything that, you know, they got, they were just getting what might have been just a pet, and he turned out to be the best dog, and I... The only thing I can think of looking back on all that was because he was so big, he just, and and males are sort to develop, and I'm going to talk about that for just a second, but, you know, he just wasn't there yet. He wasn't there to even, I don't know if he could see as well. He, the, his movement was not there. The little sprightly ones could just zip out and do all that stuff, and and it was a lot harder for him. And so, uh, he uh, we I just misread the dog. He was just a... A male and very big and he did not show up at all and he that he turned out to be the best dog in the litter so even with the best of intentions you cannot be sure on these things but what i would say then is two things one is when they are much bigger, particularly as puppies, movement and development seems to be slower. I guess there's more there to develop. I, I, I'm not sure what it is, but it seems to be a little slower. So it can be deceiving to have the big one just be laying over there and, you, and writing them off. Or it could be correct too, but, but I, you know, I learned a lesson in that and I really paid a lot more attention to relative size amongst puppies on that. The other very relevant fact on this is that in general, these are generalizations, there are always exceptions, males develop more slowly than the females at early ages. And you know, it's, it's kind of true in humans as well. And I can make all kinds of insulting jokes on that one and I will just be better than that and not <laughs> do it. I'll say that for in person. But females in general just develop a little bit faster mentally, physically, physically, Their eyes, their responses, their little noses, everything seems to develop a little more rapidly. So if you have your heart set on a male or your heart set on a female, when you go to look at your litter of puppies, just look at the females or just look at the males. And if you don't know, you know, I don't know, I get first pick, whichever one I want, then still, Go look at that when you do some of the things, if you do some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, do it with the males and get which relative to one another, which one shows the stuff that you like. And then do it just with the females. If you do it together, you're just going to keep getting drawn to those those zippy little females who may or may not be exactly what you're looking for. So be aware of that development thing. It can be very different. I did not always. There'll be some some big male that just ahead of everybody (laughs) so that can happen too but as a generalization i i always i always just evaluate the sex that i'm interested in and and not the other one so just throwing that out there i i feel fairly strongly about that and have seen that uh happen over and over and no are is one are males better than females or females better than males No just like women can be doctors and lawyers and scientists and everything else and men can be nurses and administrative assistants and flight attendants and uh, they every that it's not like only one can do something and the other one cannot but um the the thing is is females come in season usually usually with a retrieve or lapse usually Over the age of 12 months, 12 to 18 months is often where these these field guys come in season. But then it's about every six months, but it could be every year, every nine months. You know, they don't know all the rules. That's the downside to the females is you have that thing. And then when they're in season, they draw every male in the world. But in terms of talent and then males, what they like to pee on stuff a lot more than females. Um, so there's downsides to both sexes in terms of talent. No, I, no, I have not seen, there are extraordinary females and extraordinary males. So I've never seen the talent be the issue. I've just had their various body functions, uh, be the issue on choice. So make, you know, factor that in. So let's say you decided on what you want to look at, which one, male or female. And you've got a good litter for what you want, right? How do you find the one that has the traits that you want? Now, first thing you have to have in your mind are what are the traits that you want? (laughs) Yeah, I want the best dog in here. I want the superstar, the one that does everything real easy. Okay, but there's, let's break that down a little bit more because there are some factors that you really do want to think about. I'm assuming that my listening audience right here are performance dogs, field dogs, competitive dogs, hunting dogs, right? Dogs that kind of work for a living. So that, and, and are going to be trained to some degree. I mean, this podcast is called Training The. <laughs> so you want a dog that can go to school and can play the sports really well, okay? So we want a, a, a scholastic student type, and we also want an athlete, and we want a very healthy dog. So keep that in mind first. That should always be there because every dog is not a great athlete just like every human is not a great athlete. There could be some some people just don't like out running around on a field you know and others do and some don't like throwing a ball or catching a ball and some do. You know it's the same thing with, with, with dogs. Also some would like to be out there catching a ball or running across the field, but their structure doesn't support movement as easily as some others. So some people are marathon runners. Some people are wrestlers. You know, some people are, are tennis players. A lot of the times it's a physique that has a great deal to do with that. And physique is important in the athletic world of a hunting dog it is very important so little tiny short-legged broad wide-bodied dogs aren't going to be real good running for hours in the cut corn of south dakota and then similarly when you a a giant 90 i like big dogs 95 pound dog that just carries they're not overweight they're just carrying it's like having a big defensive lineman right we're going to put him in on the marathon No, well, we can, but it's certainly not going to be as good as, you know, our 130 pound guy that's skinny as a rail and can go forever. So literally their athleticism, their ease of movement, their physiques do factor in. And very often on the little puppies, you can see signs positively or negatively. So I just want to put that out there. We also want an animal, right, that we're going to live with and train and do things with for a long time to be reasonably intelligent. Now, I, I'm going to say, normally I would say preferably very intelligent, but you better be, it's more challenging to to train a really super smart dog. Just like if you have some really super smart kid, they're going to be bored to death in school most of the time they're going to act out if you don't give them an outlet for that extreme mental capacity that they have so people often don't think of that and it is a factor so if you're going to get an einstein right don't don't send him into school with a bunch of kids that haven't even learned to read yet you know they're gonna just start acting up and becoming a problem and you're going what's wrong with this kid and it's because his mind can't even you're not even touching what the capacity is yeah believe it or not especially as good as breedings are getting right now people with really intelligent dogs can be handicapped if they are not aware of that aspect of their dog oh golly i i encounter people struggling with that a lot and they don't even know that that's what they're struggling with So I really would like to put that out there. So you want a dog that is intelligent. And if he's super intelligent, then gear up and you got to be ready and take that kind of thing into account. And maybe I should do a podcast on that kind of stuff. But anyway, so we want a dog that is trainable, that you don't have to spend days and weeks and months trying to teach them fundamental basics. Or you don't have to thump on them hard to convince them that they've got to do it. So we want a dog that has intelligence and we want a dog that has a willingness, a real receptivity to learning things. Receptivity to learning. Everybody calls it biddability and trainability and all that. I, I'm going to I think it's a bit more uh, complicated than that. I think they they some dogs can be trained but they really don't care if you're happy or not (laughs) so it makes it a little harder harder so dogs that have a real willingness to work with you and team up and be a partner and connect that's a that connection thing is huge so I want to throw that out there all right so we've got the athleticism and the ease of movement we've got intelligence and we've got the willingness to connect and be a partner with you the ability to learn and the willingness To learn that is that's a uh, to me that's critical next thing we have is their talent level in the field for which you got them in other words assuming most people here these are hunting dogs and retrievers and also a lot of people listening to this it's also the pointing aspect right so you want to look at that aspect of it as well. We want to, you know, do they show an interest in retrieving? Do they show an interest in feathers or birds? That's not as the bird thing and the feather thing and the point thing, and I'll talk about that briefly here, but that's not as as big a deal at this age as I think people think it is it can be and also it can it it can be not what what you see is nothing to do with what you're ultimately going to have so the talent level that they have for uh this stuff that you want and i'm gonna say another part that i think is real important is how their mind works You know, if you listen to the prior podcast, how their mind works, is like everything. But if you can pay a little little bit of attention to how their mind works right now. And I'm going to give you an example uh, of that in one of my, uh, talking about one of the things to do with these guys. But how their mind processes as much as a seven or eight week old puppy can process, right? And they might be the lumpy one that hasn't even started really developing the mental stuff yet. But let's just assume that we're looking at all the similar dogs. How they process and what they do with things is real important. And I'm going to talk about that. I, I want a dog who thinks because the thinking goes with the connection. It goes with the trainability. It goes with the willingness. It goes with remaining unhurt during their athletic lives. The ability and willingness to think and yes, you can see that in little dogs if you take the time. And again, the connection thing. I'm just going to talk about connection all the way along. Unless you are not a connector, if you're just getting a dog because you need the fourth dog for the for the hunting lodge and that that other, and connection is not a, a big deal. I would say don't get a dog that thrives on connecting with humans because that's kind of a sad thing they want to be somebody's buddy and 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 team up and you know they just get stuck in a kennel and learn to bark a lot you know then that there are dogs who are perfectly suitable for that and they're happy with that the connectors are not so much happy with that so I want to throw that out now I'm going to just talk about a little bit of the evaluation so you've got your you know your four females that you want to look at and you want to, you don't have a lot of time, it, you know, it's just really nice, all oh, breeders hate when I say this, if you could go at six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, and then at the end of the day on eight weeks, take your puppy, that would be really, really good, <laughs> so, but uh, you know, you've got to do what you can do, but in, because, and I'll tell you why, because how they are at six weeks, and you come back the next weekend, and look at them again, the one that wasn't even, you didn't even take out with you because the dog was so disinterested is now the in the front of the line so they their development begins to show that's why you know if you possibly can see them with over a little span of time you can see whether they still are maintaining position number superstar or whether you know now there's somebody else that's bumped them out of the way it's nice to be able to see that if you go look at puppies in an afternoon And go do some of the things that I'm going to talk about here. And they have played all morning. They had breakfast. Played all morning. Kind of had a little bit of a lunch. And now it's a warm afternoon. They're laid out. You know, and there's only one. It's the one that didn't do anything because it just laid around all morning. It comes bouncing up to you. And it's got a lot of energy. And the rest are like, yeah, whatever. Because they're so tired. Okay, now you get a completely backwards perspective. Because the one that looks really energetic and good is so because it wasn't until the middle of the day and it had a lot of food that it finally decided to get up and do something. So time of day, you know, and what prior activities and food feeding and all that factors into how those dogs look. Now, I like early mornings. I love that. Because, you know, they're just full of the dickens and they are just being themselves. And it's it can be very telling i don't want to see the one that has the greatest appetite is the tiredest and looks the worst you know and i would be deceived he just really likes to eat (laughs) which is a kind of a retriever thing right so be aware of of that so let's just say you're going out in the morning and you're going to be able to do this at least two weekends two different days to go look at them and we're going to look for these certain characteristics the first thing that we, uh, that is good to do is um, if you walk in, if they're in a little whelping room or they're somewhere and you just walk in, I'll tell you this, if you can do this without your breeder on your shoulder telling you, you know, that little orange one, I really like that that one because and they're just filling you with all kinds of ideas. Ask them if you can just go do this on your own. You know, you're just weird and you just want to do it on your own. They can tell you everything they want after you look at the puppies Then, when you come back in and you've done some things with them and they, then they can tell you how great the orange collar one is and the blue one is wet all that stuff so just walk into wherever they are open the door step over the divider whatever it is and just stop now who notices you obviously you need them marked they'll have a dab of paint on them or a string or a collar or something so you can identify orange color and blue color. Who notices you? Who looks up and sees you? Now, this, could this be deceptive? Yes. You know, the one that's the most tired because it did the most stuff is, is exhausted and still sleeping. But just notice. You know, if you have to take notes, take notes. Um, notice who sees you first. And do they just see you and then go back to bed? Do they see and look at you because you're new and different? Now Just pay attention to what their response to this new person coming in there is. Do they all get up and run over to you and then, you, oh, puppy breath, that's one of the greatest smells in the world. And do they do that? Is there one that has no interest in seeing you at all? You know, who knows? Could just be the tiredest one because it ran around all, all at breakfast or something. Just notice that stuff. If if some of them are sleeping, make a, make a little noise. Who Is sensitive enough to hear the noise and wake up. I think you get the idea. Just pay attention to that. Now do not test these dogs in their yard because they know that place. They know where everything is. They know where the stuff to eat is. They know where to go pee. They know all of these things in their yard. That is nowhere to evaluate a dog. You want to take them. So let's say you got some little seven-week puppies. I don't know. They might be too big to stick in a laundry basket, but you know, somehow get them where you can take them out of the yard to some place they haven't been. You know, it could be in the open space behind, as long as there's no people and their crazy dogs come over there and do something nasty. Take these dogs somewhere that is unfamiliar to them, so you get to see what their response is to that. If it's you're in your their their backyard and it's boring and they know everywhere they might be far less interested in exploring and and moving and smelling and eating yucky stuff so take them somewhere they've never been or not familiar with take out, set them down now ideally ideally they have a big green belt and there's it's early in the morning and everyone is sleeping in and so you take these dogs through the gate that they've never been allowed through before Get a little bit away from the gate. You're going to have to take them away from home sweet home and mom because that's all they've ever known. So you need to take them, you know, if you could put them in a car and drive them to this place and then set them down and then take off walking and just see what happens. Leave a little crate or something there so they can all be safe in case somebody just doesn't want to go or they're too afraid. You take off. You don't, not out a sprint, but you take off and you encourage them. Don't, but take off. It's not like you're there begging them to go out with you. See who wants to go with you. See who has one, the ability to go and do that with you. Who has the interest in that? Who is curious enough about you that they want to go? See who is courageous enough to go with you. Now, obviously, you need to have your partner somebody else there to make sure if somebody sits behind that they stay there with the puppy so nothing happens, but you take off. And usually, and encourage them if you need to, see if you can get them out there with you. And there might be one that's just afraid. And, okay, it's afraid. That doesn't mean it's a bad dog, but let's just remember, because that's the little pink collar just turned right around and just stood over by the crate because it was just, the world was a little too scary, even with all of her sisters going out with you. So go out there with the, and then go. Keep going. And, you know, if you have to use your little hot come on, puppy, puppy, you know, get them to come with you. But don't constantly do that. Find out who's going to stay with you. Assuming that they're big enough to make their way through the grass and all that stuff. And so when they are, there's always one, you know, that wants to just beat up on the other one. <laughs> and, you know, okay. And then there's one that's just really wants to stay with you. Maybe there's two or three of them, two of them, just there with you. One of them is just always whooping on the other ones, and then the other two are trying to stay with you. Believe what you see. And then, I, I've told this to everybody, there's a little, a little ledge of four inches, so nobody can get hurt, or a little log, or a little stream, or something that you just go down or cross over, and you keep going. And again, anyone who's ever heard me has heard this one. So one of them, you go down this little ledge, doesn't even see the ledge, just goes with you, you know, and whoop, you know, smacks into the ground, shakes it, gets up and comes with you. The other one that's whooping on the other dog just stops. It's like, no, that is way too scary. And the, the one that was coming with you stops, looks at that little ledge, goes, yeah, it's worth it. And then comes out after you. So you've been told a lot right there. A lot right there. Most people don't even pay any attention to that. So the one that didn't even know there was a ledge there because they were just with you, All right, there's not a lot of thinking going on. There's just, there, there he is. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And then the one that's just whooping on the other ones cares more about the other dogs than you. So that's interesting. The pink one's still back at the crate with your partner because they don't even want, they're too afraid to come out. And then there was the one that ran up there and went, whoa, 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 ooh, yeah, but it doesn't seem too bad. Okay, and then comes with you. Yeah. You got some interesting stuff there if it means anything to you. The one the one that is that just went off with you, you know, I don't even know if you'd call that courageous. They didn't even know it was there. <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty easy to be courageous when you fall off a cliff you did not notice. Um, but the little dog that did notice it, evaluated it, made the choice Said, you know, this is, I'm going to go. So you, there's uh, ways that you can test little things like that. I I like to go over a log. It's funny. You go over a little, a log that they could literally climb over, right? And not hurt themselves. No puppies ever hurting themselves. Go across a little log or something like that, right? Okay. Now you're going to get the one that's whooping on everybody. You know, he, he went, he finally just fell off the thing and came along. Still wanting kind of sh- getting a little shaken up now the fun is gone because the fun was whooping up on the other puppies and so now you go over this log and so there's the little one that went right off the thing and he just comes up slams into the log can't get over it slams into the log just standing there just whining crying screaming right to get over the log and the 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 one that's been whooping on everybody goes perfect now i can get his back legs right so that do she's just chewing on the back legs and that other one comes up to the log gets up and looks, and can't get over, stops, and then walks around the log, right? (laughs) That dog, again, thought about that, said, I can't, this is hard, but maybe if I went, yeah, right over here, I can get around. All right, I think you kind of get the idea what I'm talking about. So they tell you a lot about their ability to think, or not think, what's important to them. You, or just whooping on the other dogs, or just going off in some other direction, and eating a bug, just pay attention to stuff like that. Cause, and if you see that with any consistency, it tells you something about how their mind works, what's important to them. Tells you a little bit about their their courageousness and their boldness about being alive. You know, That's a pretty important thing for a life partner. And then, okay, we get everybody over the log, finally, the three that are with you, and you keep going. Now, obviously, we're not going to overdo it make but just keep going because here's where you begin to see another thing that i think is extremely important as you keep going your round and you know maybe you've gone a total of a total of 200 yards in this whole thing right but now you you you're, you continue to move we don't just stop smell your puppy breath when you get back don't do the love thing out here yet just take off and make a big bow to go back over to where your your partner and the pink collar when they're sitting by the crate. Now you're going to be able to tell you we're tiring them out. We're tiring a seven week old puppy, right? So that doesn't take a lot, but we're beginning to tire them out. But you keep going and you're heading back. Sometimes they'll just sit down. One of them will just sit down. And the one that's been whooping on everybody, he's tired from whooping on everybody, he just sits down. Like I just can't go anymore. You know, and, and the other two are, they right there with you. They still moving. It's still easy for them. And so the ease of movement in a puppy is generally lends itself to ultimately their athleticism and their structure that's going to support running for hours in the field, swimming for ducks across the pond, for the training that you're going to do. So you can see a little bit about the ease of movement. It's not who's fastest. Usually who's fastest is the one who thinks whose mind is going the fastest. Usually that's it. But it's who ha- can continue to go and has interest to con- and the ability to continue to move safely, guys. Not for an hour on these little guys. They'll just fall out on you. And, and, and come back that way. Okay, Do if you can do that several times with your dogs you're looking at, and pay close attention to the thinking thing. And because the one went around the log doesn't mean that's going to be a cheater it didn't mean that it just figured its way out of a sticky it was troubleshooting problem solving did a very good job of it and you were always very important now another thing and i learned this from uh, jackie mertens and her golden i, I don't always agree with the, some of the stuff she does because that's how people are but she one of the things she said with which i completely agree is pick the little puppy up and hold it up to your face and, and, you know, if you have to, make some little scoochie goochie noises or something. Does the, uh, does the dog make direct eye contact with you? Very telling. We're talking about connectors. We want, generally, connectors, right? Unless you're just filling up your, your hunt club kennel. We want connectors. Some dogs, little guys, and now they may just be too immature to even know what that is. But if there's one that can, can and they look right at your eyes and stay connected a little bit, Okay. Versus one that can't, just wants down. I don't want to, this is too high. I don't want to be up here. Let me down. Let me down. No connection at all. Okay. Check stuff like that out. That connection thing is, again, this is a lifetime partner you have and you want them to care about being trained and learning and working with you. Here's a good start when they can connect with you right there. That's that's a a big deal. Uh, So all the ones that, even the one you're not interested in, you know, pick them up, make a little noise so they look at you. Can they, can they look you in the eye? And maybe at six weeks they can, but maybe at seven and eight weeks they can. So that's another part of that connection kind of thing. Now, again, if you can do this, and you can't do this all at one time, right? Because you're going to exhaust them mentally and physically and every other way. If, when you have a chance, one of the things it's really nice to do is get a little maybe your breeder has a puppy bumper um, or something or a glove a glove is always good gloves are good because they smell like you and get something that the little dog can see you know a rolled up white sock is fine and I'll tell you rub it on the dog so it has the dog smell on it that's just always helpful and then one at a time do not throw it in the gang thing because if you throw it out in front of all of them, then probably the one that likes whooping on everybody is going to get out there and then guard that and whoop on anybody that wants to get it. So you could misread their desire to retrieve with their desire to be stirring up trouble every which way. So one at a time. One at a time. Separate them from the, you know, take them outside the gate to the something and then do some retrieving. Now, only th- throw it within their eyesight and only do it, A couple times if that but just see is it there and there's you know sometimes there'll be one that just instantly gets it just instantly gets it and just runs out there picks it up and runs right back you know and, and that's a good sign now there may be one that just looks at you like what was that now that could be a bad sign or it could be that dog is just not clicked into that yet so do not misread the retrieving part but if they run out there and come back definitely that's good I just don't write somebody off necessarily unless they're not interested in anything. Now the bird part. So I differ from this from the vast majority of people with whom I've spoken. But letting a little puppy tear a pigeon up, you could, I'd say, put that poor pigeon in a litter of winter dog puppies and there won't be anything left. So I'm not sure how meaningful that is for... (laughs) For these dogs to go rip some feathered live thing up, and there's always the most aggressive one is going to get it, and then carry it away, and the others will be tearing the, tearing its feet off and its eyes out and all that stuff. And the, but the most aggressive one will get it. I I don't get anything out of that other than who's the most aggressive. Could be the one that likes eating the most, you know, because that's alive and warm. Ooh, this has, it really tastes good. So for me, that does not give me stuff that I'm looking for. Nor, nor do I do. And I don't do the, and not that this is wrong. I don't do the fishing pole, you know, with a wing on it. Because somebody came out one time when we had a real high end, what we hoped was a real high end litter of puppies. It actually did not turn out to be when we were trying to cross pure field trial with top shelf pointing and then you get, neither one is good. Um, but, <laughs> but so we had that litter out and somebody did that with the wing and there was one there that locked up on it twice. That's the one in that litter that never actually pointed. But she pointed that wing on there. I don't know because they would flip it up when she came near. I don't know whether that particular thing induced that freezing response. But for me, you know, if they go and lock up on like English pointer puppies, which they smell a feather and they lock up, if they lock up on feathery stuff, that's definitely not a bad thing. I don't know if it means what you hope it means. It might or it might not. I don't put a lot of weight on that if what I like to do and they need to be at least eight weeks a lot of times when you have a little puppy and you put a little live bird out there a little quail or a little checker that just will sit there because he's the one that was getting kind of pounded on in the in the pen a lot of times I've had the little eight-week-old puppies walk right over top of them from the downwind side never register (laughs) that that was a live bird That did not mean that was a bad dog. It just wasn't there in the head yet. And then I've had little eight-week-old puppies that when they got downwind of a live bird sitting there, locked up on a point. Now, did they know they were doing? No, they did not. But that was obviously a good sign. And if they do it with any consistency, that's a really good sign. But for me, I only do it with the real thing. And a real thing that they can't rip and learn to eat. Um, Just unless you have to have them do that to get them interested in birds. I don't find that to be a very useful thing. But a little a quail or a little checker where you can take them downwind and they can get scent of it. And again, they might just keep going. Of course, then everyone drags them back and forth and tries to make it happen. And then you're putting pressure on them and they, it's uncomfortable. And when they have bird scent, it's uncomfortable. That's a negative thing. I'll just put it somewhere where I know they can get the scent. We just walk by. And if nothing happens... Okay, we'll do it again in a week. So that's the part uh, on the bird part. Uh, you know, if, if you uh, have had different experiences and find the fishing pole has been excellent, then please do that. But I've just seen it have completely odd things that I could never really rely on. But that little live bird that can actually fly away or at least run away, you know, if, if anything happens, is where I've seen the good guys show up early and with that point and they don't have a clue what they're doing and there's absolutely no pressure on them whatsoever so there's a lot of it right there so when you're going to look at dogs right look for do they like to retrieve and again if they're not right now it doesn't mean they won't if they're coming out of good stock it, it could be a development thing did they point a bird or just not even know it was there doesn't mean anything about later on that's more of a development thing But what you can see a little bit is, unless it's a very large dog, it's just one of those big hunker puppies, um, defensive lineman kind of things, look for their ease of movement and their willingness to continue to move with you. Look for whether they think about things, whether they can problem solve. You have to do this out of their familiar environment. Um, You have to do that. Look at, look at their connectivity. Are you a big deal to them when you're out with them or they, they just could care less? Do they make eye contact with you? Do they connect with you? Um, and do they have an enjoyment of all of this? Is all of this a great pleasure? Because just think in terms of, of a traveling partner, you have, you're going to travel the world. For the next two years, you're going to go all over and you get to have one person with you. What do you want? You want somebody that's in a good mood, (laughs) that's open to stuff, that's not crazy, but is robust and courageous about things, good problem solver, you know, very connected to you, likes sitting with you, traveling with you, chatting with you. That's what you'd want if you were traveling the world, somebody that made it easy and enjoyable, and where you could do all the things that meant a lot to you, and that's the same thing you want with a dog, is that kind of thing. And you can look for those characteristics. You can't doesn't mean you're deadly accurate, but sometimes when the when a, one of the good ones shows you that, believe what you see. I've seen the best dogs picked out of litters time and time again because of all of those all of those traits. And I warn one other thing I would like to throw out on this. When you go in, you know, you're going in to look at your puppies and they're all in the whelping box or wherever they are. And there's one in there just setting up a fuss (laughs) because it doesn't want to be in there. And then when you have it out in the field and it goes to the log and it can't get over it and it sets up a fuss and starts, okay, that's a noisy dog. (laughs) So you're either going to have to fix that soon or live with or buy a lot of bark collars or live with a very noisy dog. So personally, I like to say, Oh, that is he always noisy like that? (laughs) Because I want to find out because I'm not going to tell anyone to buy a dog that response to everything is to make noise. You know, that's a dog that you might have sitting on the line and as the birds are going down, it starts amping up and making, you know, you have noise problems or sits in the duck blind and because they're bored and tired and they're wanting action and they start making noise. So take into account the noisemakers, you know, just ask real harmlessly. So is there a noisy wind in here that always greets you when you come in and just find out, I guess. <laughs> otherwise you know then my dog does all this stuff what can I do well it'd be nice if it didn't tend to that anyway and if you do get a noisy one somebody's got to take that one you know you got to get after you got to get right after that in the very nip that in the bud before it really becomes fully established in the dog so that's kind of a long podcast but um, the puppy picking thing if you are of a mind to and if it's important to you and you're willing to be patient and just watch You know, it's not like I'll get out your fishing pole and, okay, get out the live pigeon and let's test all this stuff. You know, like I said, do it in a litter of schnauzers. They'll do the same thing. Um, So I don't find that to be highly useful. But if you do these other real life things where you test their connection with you, what's important to them, their athleticism, their boldness, their ability to think and troubleshoot, you will find that a very, uh, useful thing. And if they just like whooping up on the other dogs, again, believe what you see, believe what you see. That dog, instead of going with you and adventuring in a new world, it just wants to whoop up on the other dog. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll, it'll become great later, but you don't know, maybe it'll jump on the underdog when you're, Running an event, who knows? So that's today's. I hope that's helpful for just a few people that might be thinking about puppies. At least give you some food for thought. And breeders just hate me because I have this thing. But uh, I have a lot of clients that got best dogs out of the litter and are very, very glad that they did. So I, I hope it's useful if you want it. And uh, meanwhile, it's hunting season. Things are wrapping up. I think the Master Nationals this weekend, and it's uh, been a great year for people, great year for Pointing Labs, fantastic year for Pointing Labs. Next year, the uh, Triple Crown, the national for that, is in South Dakota, the middle of the country, in the pheasant capital of the world. Uh, You want to see some of the best dogs in the litter? I'll tell you, there's a lot of them right there that uh, would be fun to watch. So off of that to everybody, I will be back next week with something on a completely different topic, and I hope everybody stays healthy, happy, and safe.